0: Hi everyone and welcome to Funky Feminist the Podcast. My name is Landon Funk and with me today I have my, I feel like, near and dear friend, even though we've never actually met in person, but this is a a woman that I just love so much with all of my heart, Paige Stewart. Hi Paige, how are you doing today?
1: Hi Landon, I'm good, thank you.
0: Will you tell everybody just a little bit about yourself before we get started?
1: Sure. I'm 18. I'm from South Africa. From movies and watching all those things, I'm not sure if what I know of American sex education is real or not, but um, it differs quite tremendously to South Africa.
0: Interesting. So uh, I guess, can you just kind of tell your your story of uh, the kind of sex education that you had um, and you know, the relationships that you're able to build and that kind of
1: thing? Yeah, sure. When, um, I was in primary school, we didn't really learn about those things. I went to a Catholic primary school, even though I'm not um, Catholic, Mm -hmm. but, um, when I got to high school, I remember in grade eight, we learned about sex very clinically. It was all like, um, the proper, obviously the proper terms for everything, but it was more fear based and focused on abstinence, not necessarily, um, we know you're going to do it anyway this is how you do it properly kind of thing it was i remember watching this video on abortions and it was so violent and it put the fear of god into us i swear every girl in there was thinking they're going to stay a virgin till they die because if that if they had to ever go through something like that it would be
0: horrible wait wait, wait. so this this video about abortions we i mean we're just told don't have sex ever Don't have abortions ever so I've never even heard about a video about abortion so like what is that
1: it was literally just this this doctor I think he was a doctor I don't even know but um doing a demonstration on what he would do during an abortion but on a mannequin kind of thing and the tools he used and everything but he was so aggressive with his movements and someone would have been so hurt if they had to actually go through something like that even I knew it wasn't like that from what I've heard other women talk about and everything. And I was so angry with the teacher for, for showing us this. I knew she was showing it to us to make us scared.
0: Yeah. I mean, that sounds terrifying and for it to be on, well, I mean, I don't think they would show you on a real person, but I think it makes it even more kind of separated from the humanity of a person to show it on a mannequin, right? At least animate it or do something, right?
1: Exactly. And it was very, um, Like, focused on the girls saying no and slut-shaming if they said yes. Mm. And we learned learned all of this in grade 8. And then very little bits throughout the rest of high school when you actually need to know it. And we focused then more on just saying no and um, HIV, AIDS kind of thing. But nothing else. I remember the other day I saw a, a sex ed quiz for fun it said Mm -hmm. can you pass this test and I was like yeah sure I I can I can probably pass it and I scored so low and I actually thought I knew a lot you know
0: what were some of the questions that you quote-unquote got wrong on this quiz that you were that you feel like you should have known
1: um if I can remember just um like what certain things are for like we didn't know we never learned what um what about like female condoms
0: and, Mm.
1: and all those things. And literally I didn't know half the things that I thought I did.
0: One of the things that still shocks me and you just brought it up is I didn't know about female condoms until I was probably like 19 years old, right? 19 to 20 years old, which I feel like if you're going to teach condom use, you should also teach female con you know like you should just cover your grounds with 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 everything did you have any like birth control conversation or like was birth control a part of what you guys talked about
1: if i can remember uh, no the girls were on it for their skin mostly not even for birth control you know
0: yeah for like acne or something i think on the episode before this one so however these episodes get arranged uh we have a young woman who talked about how she got it for for acne at first, um, and then she got slut-shamed, like, while she was at the office, which is absolutely horrifying in and of itself, but have you had an experience where... Yeah, yeah,
1: I can imagine.
0: Yeah, so have you had any experience like that, where either you're just curious about learning more about sex, or um, you're going to your doctor to talk to them about, you know, your vagina or whatever, and you get
1: slut-shamed? Yeah, for sure. I... I've always felt at school I could never really be open with any of the teachers about that. And that's so scary, especially the um, life orientation teachers, which is the subject we learn about these things. in. I had a very heated argument with my last LO teacher because she was like shaming these girls about going, getting drunk and then complaining that they were raped or something. Mm. And I went off at her and the whole class was basically just just sitting there watching me because they knew I was going to put her in her place she she didn't even like want to hear it it was so upsetting and there were probably girls sitting in there who had been through the same thing you know and she was so insensitive and I remember ending the conversation with her and she even said to the whole class listen guys to to all of you girls boys or even if you're that thing where you can't decide who says that?
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I,
1: I know. I was so shocked. I was just so happy to, to leave the school, and especially her. And I remember she actually had me moved from her class because I argued with her.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's an accomplishment. For, yeah. So I'm, I'm very proud of you for that. I think that what you did was absolutely in the right, and what's so frustrating to me and I think you've even talked about this on on some of your posts for, for Funky Feminist is just the lack of of not, the lack of knowledge around sex and sex education and etc. leads to this ignorance around sexual assault and victim blaming, right?
1: Definitely.
0: And it breaks my heart. You know? Because yeah. I, like as somebody who has been a, a a victim of this kind of violence, it's like my story is valid, and I just wish that we had some outlet. I have a lot of, like, followers who will email me and say, hey, you know, I had this situation. It was either at my school or at my church or wherever. Some, it's with a person who is leader slash figure of authority, right, who is telling them that their story isn't valid or yes. that, right? And so how do you suggest going about this just completely calling it out all the time or, or, or is there more of like a, like a nuanced thing? I mean, I know that's a hard question, but. I
1: think definitely calling it out and to anyone, the boy, girl, if you're sitting there and you feel that someone in your group is saying something that could potentially hurt someone who's been through a similar situation, definitely say something because sitting there keeping quiet is just as bad as actually saying the thing you know it's so hurtful to other people and i i'm quite outspoken this year especially and um i've gotten so many messages from girls saying thank you so much because It really helps them because they feel like they can't speak up or with their parents or whatever, you know. And it really makes me feel so much better because I feel like I'm helping people.
0: You have personally helped me in terms of the articles that you've written and the ones that I've read and edited, like, with you. And so that doesn't shock me at all. And I think that it's, I mean, it's evident that you have a voice and that you're using your voice to hopefully incite change. And so don't ever lose that. Thank you. You're welcome. I was in our, the episode that's coming out after we record this, so the one that's coming out tomorrow, features another one of our writers, and y'all two are, are like people that I like talk to on a regular basis, and it's like a little bit strange, but like our relationship has evolved to the point where we're just like straight up friends, and so I feel like I'm like a little bit fangirly when, when I have you guys on the podcast, because I'm like, oh my god, your articles are so amazing, and I love them, and I love you. So, As you uh, transition from high school into... Are you going straight into university or are you going to take like a gap year or something?
1: I'm going straight to university. I'm going to study hospitality and business management.
0: Amazing. So as you transition from high school to university, what are you thinking about in terms of sex and sex education? Like, Like, do you feel like you're equipped to go to university, live on your own, and do all those kinds of things based on the knowledge that you were provided in high school?
1: I mean, I feel like I'm definitely more um, more well-rounded than some of my peers. I remember uh, sitting next to a girl, and she asked me what a blowjob was, and I looked at her, and... She And I told her, and she was so confused, and she said, oh, she thought you literally just blew on it. Oh, no. You know, and we are 18 years old. Mm -hmm. That particular girl is moving to Johannesburg completely alone. It's a huge city, you know, and these kids don't know anything. And I feel so sorry for them because they're going to get themselves into trouble, you know, and it's it's okay, I guess, if you're a parent and you want to shelter your kid. But from what? Now they're in more danger, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: So when, I actually think you hit on something really, really important that hasn't been discussed yet about parents and the thought of protecting you, but you're not really protecting them by sheltering them.
1: Yes. That, I should actually probably write another article on that. That's a really good topic.
0: Totally. So, you know, just based off of, like, like, what are your just basic, unresearched opinions on that?
1: Growing up, my mom was very open with us, and I felt like I could ask her anything, which helped a lot. And I have an older sister, so we always talked about everything, and we're very open. But um, going to school and then talking to girls whose parents weren't open, and they basically were left with Google, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's so different. And these girls are going into the world now, not knowing anything. I mean, I know of a girl whose boyfriend has convinced her that. She is too tight for Mm. him so they don't they can't use a condom
0: oh my god
1: because it'll break you know but now there are so many things that could go wrong from that and she has no idea she's like believing him
0: is this this person's first partner yes okay so wow that that i mean a that sounds horribly coercive and borderline very very dangerous but also I know. right like like i'm just like I, I shouldn't be shocked because this happens all the time but also i'm shocked that i just said that sentence right because it shouldn't happen at all yeah. and a condom is so thin that it's like, I know. oh my god! So I'm like, and he
1: doesn't. They don't do any foreplay. Like he just goes straight for it, and then he's convinced her that it's it's fine, you know. And she's a twenty year old woman, and she doesn't even know this, you know.
0: Oh my god! And because of course it's gonna be tight if you're not having any foreplay, and exactly. uh, it's and gonna it's gonna hurt. hurt. And yeah, you're
1: gonna, you know. Oh.
0: And so and I'm sure that you know this is gonna this has some kind of like you know how there's vaginismus where your vagina will tighten up if you think that you're in danger or if you think that there's something that's about to penetrate you that's not supposed to or whatever. And so I'm sure she's going to have some of that for like the rest of her life. And that that's super depressing and sad. You also talked about how you and your mom and your sister are very open with each other and that's been really beneficial to you. As somebody you know who hasn't had that relationship with their parents I'm always super intrigued to hear like how did your mom approach this with you or did you first learn about it from your sister in terms of sex and sex education
1: my sister and I when we were little we were very competitive and (laughs) um she she came running up to me saying I know something you don't Mm. and I was like no you don't you know and I went to go ask my mom and I begged her to tell me and it was actually what sex was After that, my whole world kind of, like, changed. I saw things in a different way. But I'm actually really happy it happened like that. And I was, like, taught from a young age what everything was. But I was still, in a sense, sheltered from, for instance, same sex sex, and everything.
0: So how did you, well, first of all, how old were you when this, like, I know something, you don't know, happened?
1: I was seven.
0: Seven. Okay. The last part of that was you said you still didn't learn about homosexuality and all that kind of stuff. And so when did you learn about that?
1: Well, kind of just from movies, I guess, and hearing things and whatever. And then in school as well, you do not learn about that, which is so sad for the people sitting there who are homosexual Mm -hmm. or, you know, and then they are just learning about straight sex. And yes, it's, it's, predominantly straight people in the class but still it's not inclusive at all.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how it is here too. In the state that I live in, in Tennessee, you can only teach abstinence and you can only teach heterosexuality and one of the things that they actually passed in our state legislature about five or six years ago was a bill that said you can't teach homosexuality regardless. So if a student were to come out to his guidance counselor, or her guidance counselor, or their guidance counselor, then they ha- they can't talk to them about their sexuality. What-
1: That's so sad. It's That's
0: really so sad, sad. Because who are you supposed to go to? You know, because you can't go to your parents, you can't go to your, Mm-mm. you know, if, if you're religious you can't go to your minister or your imam or whoever. You can't- you can't go to anybody. And so where yeah. where are you supposed to turn, you know, and your friends might ostracize you. It's terrifying.
1: It is really terrifying. I've had girls also message me asking for advice or because they are lost, they can't turn to anyone, you know, and I'm glad that they asked me for help. But still, it's so sad that we have no one else to talk to.
0: Right. Going back to that conversation I had with our other writer, Autumn. She said, you know, I I also had an open, you know, conversation with my parents and, like, whatever. But she also said, one of the things that has helped me is the community on Instagram, which I didn't expect for her to say. And so I think what I'm hearing is, you know, as terrible as Instagram can be or as Facebook can be or Twitter or whatever, they're actually a way for people who, you know, who don't necessarily know each other to connect and really feel comfortable asking the hard questions they can't ask anybody else
1: even from my own experience on my journey to find whoever i am i have found that instagram has really helped me as well with self-acceptance and i seem to know all these things about myself but i'm actually also just normal and on my path it, when I couldn't talk to my mom or my sister about certain things I turned to Instagram and it made me feel a lot better that there are people on there who are willing to help you
0: yeah on Funky Feminist we get like trolls all the time saying like you know it's like alt-right 977 says go make me a sandwich on so- on like yeah. right or something mm. one of the things that my parents used to say all the time because I have two brothers and we used to fight all the time and they go if you suppress the hate you suppress the love and so I originally started just, like, blocking these people all the time. So every time I saw that these trolls had commented on our Instagram accounts, I just blocked them and removed the comment. But then yeah. I, I did a little bit of a social experiment about a year ago where I said, I'm going to leave this up for 24 hours and just see what happens. It could be nothing. It could yeah. be, you know, but it could be something else. What I was, you know, I, I was a little bit floored because it was, like, all of these funky feminists just, like, went in on this troll and were saying things like, you know, we're valued, we're equal, you know, who are you to say that we're not? And it was actually really wonderful. And, I mean, granted, it was an all-out, you know, comment war, but it was also, like, it warmed my heart because a lot of of people had seen either our messages or your articles or somebody else's articles and felt empowered enough to say, no, 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 we are valid. And I'm not going to let you tell me that I'm not. And it yes, was beautiful. I've seen
1: that too. I've seen that too. It's so nice. Even if it's not my post or whatever and I'm going through the comments and I see a hate comment. And I'm, I'm ready to comment back and I see someone else already has. But it's such a nice message. That happens to me a lot as well with the vegan things I yes. post.
0: Yes, it's so wonderful. And so that's actually a perfect segue because what I wanted to talk about is... You wrote an article for us that I'm going to put in the show notes for this episode. So if, if people want to want to read it, they have a direct link from, the, from their streaming platform. But you wrote an article called Not My Mother, Not My Milk. Um, and it yeah. was about the dairy industry. You sent me that article. And as everybody probably knows, if they follow us, I, either one of us on Instagram, we are very pro-vegan because yeah. the animal industry is... Terrifying and horrible, and we just want all these cute little animals to be able to live their life and not have to be slaughtered all the time Yeah, but I'm reading this article that you sent me and you sent me draft one Which I think I told you to tweak maybe one sentence So it was really the final draft and you go. I don't know if this is good or not I just kind of like went for it. I'm like at work, and I wrote this on my break and <laughs> I'm and I was sitting in a dermatologist office and you know, there's people around me. I'm just like sitting in the waiting room waiting for my name to get called. And I'm reading this article and I am full out sobbing by the time I finish it because I'm like, this Aww. is beautiful. And then I send it back to you and I'm like, Paige, this is the greatest thing I've ever read in my life. Of course, like this is amazing. I'm excited about it, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But one of the things that it does is it humanizes the experience of these cows. And top like, how did you get on the vegan train? From your feminism train,
1: I first, I guess, was a feminist, and then I was always an animal lover. But slowly, through being vegetarian and then vegan, and then I kind of connected the both. I mean, both of the things to my activism. Mm-hmm. Um, it was quite a quite a journey, I guess. And I, I used to be a, or well, I am still a cadet at our SPCA. But I, I found myself not being. It's a like a um shelter for for animals. Mm, okay. But yeah, but throughout South Africa so they have in all the little cities and everything. I used to volunteer there and everything and I found it's so hypocritical of the people who work there saying they loved animals so much, but then they go home and eat a huge steak.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: And they have rescue cows there and rescue everything, but they still eat them.
0: There there was a, a young woman named Chloe who I worked with when I still lived in Los Angeles and we shared an office and she sat right across from me every single day and she was very vegan and one of the things that and she was actually the person that I I credit to quote unquote turning me into a vegan but she was just like you where she went to like a like a rescue giant piece of farmland and helped out with all of these animals. And she would post these photos of herself and, like, a pig or a cow or whatever. And it was, and it was like, the dirtiest, ugliest pig on the planet. But she's sitting there with her arm <laughs> around it just smiling real big and saying, like, this animal's life is worth it. Um, and that was something that was really powerful and one of the original instigators of, like, me being able to think, okay, well, if this person is so passionate about these lives... You know, how can that differentiate, you know, in, in terms of my life? But another thing that I found is when we're talking about veganism and feminism, we also are talking about what is acceptable for, you know, the control over bodies, right? Yes. So like in America, I'm sure that you've seen, there's a huge hot debate about Sexual assault and abortion, right? So we talked a little bit about both of those things earlier, but uh, with the confirmation of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, testimony that Dr. Ford gave, all the way to, you know, our president being a horrible, terrible, pussy-grabbing monster. There's like, there's this automatically assumed control over female bodies, Just like in the animal rights world, there's this automatic control over these animals' bodies. Right? And so can you talk about that power and control dynamic?
1: With women, I, I feel like the, I keep thinking of a quote from, during apartheid, they used a lot. And it was, the most powerful weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the minds of the oppressed. Mm. And that's so important. You are giving the oppressor power over you. So I think women and anyone being kind of oppressed needs to wake up and realize they have the power. And you cannot, no one can actually do anything to you unless you let them kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, not like rape and that obviously is a different story but I'm talking more rights and we have the power to stand out as a, a unit and fight back you know
0: definitely and I totally totally agree with you and I also really appreciate and thank you for saying you know it's different when it comes to like serious situations of trauma like rape or you know if your life is in danger or whatever because our brain yeah. has these like we'll shut down right and exactly
1: so- exactly
0: yeah. So and but and we still have a little bit of that. Um, but what we talk about it in like the trauma culture of the world, I, I guess, is there's you know there's positive stress, there's like bad stress, and there's like toxic stress. And the toxic stress yes. is you know that sexual assault, that murder, that ongoing abuse, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the bad stress is I know that I'm being <laughs> I'm being oppressed, I guess, but I'm gonna do something about it, and I have a support system. Right? The, the key word is support system because if you have yeah. that, then you're able to navigate and actually move forward with not only your life, but your political or personal agenda. Right? Yeah. So, sure. definitely. To kind of circle back onto the sex and sex education side of things, we are always taught as women that it's our duty to like service the man, right? If if we're talking about heterosexual relationships and the heteronormative (laughs) culture that we live in, do you think about that? And then how do you combat that in your day to day life?
1: I always thought that as well, especially growing up in a family that we don't really have any homosexual people in our Mm -hmm. in our family besides me now, but that's different. But um
0: Are you bisexual or or lesbian?
1: Um or do you know? I'm not even, I'm not even sure, actually, but like, it's been such a year this year, that it's like, I feel like I should write an article just on that,
0: 100%, but
1: um, yeah, just learning new things, and everything, I feel lately I'm leaning more towards the lesbian side, and I've found certain things in myself, that I didn't know were there, mm-hmm. and I, I'm very wise for my age, I guess, but um, I must remember I'm only 18, right. you know, and uh, there's so much I don't know about myself. So, yeah, we are taught, obviously, women can climax and all that stuff, but we're not really, we don't focus on it. So, no one really knows. And then when you are young and going into experiences like that, you have to find your own way you can't really ask your parents what words and boys are so easy you know with with insects and Mm -hmm. everything they climax like on a regular basis and with girls it's a lot different and we have to find our own way to do it every woman is different and young boys especially don't know this and they're learning from porn And that is so dangerous. Most, not most, but a big portion of porn contains violence against women. And the average age someone watches their first porn is 11.
0: You're on a, uh, on a box that I stand on all the time where, and I also appreciate you saying, you know, there's good porn and there's bad porn and most of it's bad, but there is good, there's good stuff out there. I think that's initially how we are we will be able to stop like rape culture and that kind of thing is if we get into if we get into the porn industry and kind of switch the script and put those good porn videos at the forefront rather Definitely. than the bad ones right
1: but the thing is i watched this um documentary i don't know if you've seen it hot girls wanted yes yes yes, yes. so i watched that and i was so repulsed by it and i had a, a whole new view on people who go and watch porn all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, then I I stumbled across this series of Hot Girls Wanted. Yes, and, yes, um, I ho- that, that feminist porn was like, I would literally watch that, you know? And um, But the thing is, you have to pay for it. So the, the educational proper consensual porn that people should learn from is expensive so they don't want to do that they go for the free rape stuff that is so toxic
0: definitely and so on to build on top of that i'm so glad you brought this up because a i reference hot girls wanted whenever i talk about this the movie and the series so you're the best and <laughs> and two one of the one of the companies that i i don't know if they reached out to us or we reached out to them or whatever but it's a feminist porn erotica slash toy slash whatever website and it's called Belessa, b-e-l-l-e-s-a dot c-o and you, you go to the the first page and it's just porn videos but it's all like feminist porn oh my gosh and so and it's free and they make their money off of you know they also sell toys and erotica and all that kind of stuff so they're making their money on a shop side so that we can be able to digest and watch the feminist porn you know and that's great yes so check them out because they're amazing and I'm so here for it because that's one of the reasons why I pretty much exclusively I mean sometimes I won't but you know that's on like once in a blue moon, but I almost exclusively watch lesbian porn because it a is just respectful to women, right? Because it's just women in the video. I mean, granted, it could be directed by a man. You know, there's certain things and like whatever. But for the most part, it's not like this horrible like rape scene that you're watching, or yeah. like somebody's being forced to give a blowjob, or you know, yeah. There, there's nothing that's like that, like, makes me want to throw up afterwards. Yeah. Right? Anyways, that was kind of just my rant about porn, but, uh uh-huh, thank you for bringing that up, because I do think that that's- because that's how people are learning about sex. When we're so young, and we don't have the proper sex education, what we're doing is we're going off of porn, and that's not- that's not a depiction of a real relationship. Yeah, you know? not at all. Well, then and that's... it is
1: mainly focused on the male getting off. The girl is just there for help. You know, it's nothing of her pleasure.
0: Right. It's all objectification. For example, I, I don't know if it, if it was you or if it was somebody else or whatever, but there, somebody wrote something about consent and um, intimacy and etc. And one of my friends on Facebook, who I didn't know was a follower of Funky Feminist, I'd said, hey, I saw your article today and I have a few questions. So I said, sure, like, let's, let's get into it. And they were talking about how they've never experienced intimacy because that's not what they saw or were taught. Mm. And, you know, we talked earlier about how it's really sad when you're not represented in sex education, whether that's homosexuality or gender identity or whatever, but, this also was really sad to me because I have male friends who say, I've never been intimate with somebody. I know how to have sex with somebody, but I don't know how to be intimate with somebody.
1: Yeah, I've also heard that a lot.
0: And that that is also worthy of my heart breaking, right? Because yeah. something terrible is happening in our culture where we're so we're much more focused on like the person who has a penis getting off than we are focused about having it look like these people respect each other.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I feel it's also, I mean, at school, I'm not sure if I told you but I think I actually wrote an article, or I'm not even sure, but um, this one boy who lost his virginity to an older woman and literally, like, the whole grade burst out into applause and was chanting his name, um, and it was seen as such an achievement, but then that's how hookups are seen, you know, like how many girls can you get in a night?
0: Yeah, no, I, I remember you you being really frustrated about that because that kind of flips the script where this younger boy and an older woman, and technically the older woman, you know, in terms of age and like honor and dignity and like whatever, should have the upper hand just because she is older right? Yeah. And granted, you know, it could be something super weird and pedophilic and et cetera and that's not okay. But also, like, I'm over here like, okay, well, if somebody's physically stronger than you and you're attracted to them and it's great and, like, whatever, not only can you, you just kind of go along with it, but also, like, I don't know. It's, it's for, it frustrates me that there was a round of applause. It frustrates me that it there's such this, like, congratulatory excitement over when a younger male attracts and has sex with a older female.
1: I know, it's ridiculous.
0: Because when a woman, when an older woman attracts like a younger man, they're cougars. When an older man attracts a younger woman, they're just a man.
1: Mm, And she's a slut because why is she going for older boys?
0: Right, right. And so to me it's like, uh, like it's the the rhetoric that we use right so we even like like in the example that i just used when we talk about women who are like older women who are who are having sex with or in a relationship with a younger man they're called a cougar which is a, like they are directly making this person an animal by calling them this whereas exactly. a man never like doesn't have that same you know that they just are called like a man who's dating a younger woman, right? Yeah. And so there's this dehumanization. Whoa! I just had a total epiphany because that that again is how the animal rights movement and the the feminism movement is so tied together. <laughs> Be-
1: there's so many things. There is oh, so gosh. many things. I have to write a book,
0: dude. Paige, we should we should just go on tour. And just, like, book... I think so. Yeah, book uh, book arenas and have no agenda. Just go up there and be like, yeah, so feminism and animal rights. We need to have a conversation yeah, about this.
1: Yeah, just
0: talking. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. that That's blowing my mind. I'm going to be marinating on that for the rest of the day. But, yes, cause, yeah. <laughs> because we talk about women as if they are meat. Or, like, I saw this ad for, like, vegetarianism in America. And I'm horrified as both an animal rights activist and as a feminist because there was a it was a picture of pamela anderson and i don't know if you know who that is but she used to be on baywatch um and she's you know blonde with huge boobs and whatever yeah and they had sectioned her off to pieces like if you looked at a diagram of a cow and what kind of meat it has so like the like you know dotted line around her butt around her breasts etc and they were talking about this meat looks better than the meat that's on your plate be vegetarian and I was like what what uh and I was like that defeats the whole purpose of being vegetarian so I don't yeah. I can't I can't eat or vegan or anything that's like tangentially related to not eating meat I'm like I can I just I was shocked I can't get it out of my head but women are likened to animals and as such both are treated like they don't exist or that they shouldn't exist or that they are just there to fulfill the pleasure of you know the people who are enjoying their body
1: yeah
0: it's super depressing yeah you you actually like at the beginning of this conversation you said that you had seen in movies and stuff about how american sex ed was different than south african sex ed and for the most part You know, you've actually, it sounds like they're pretty similar in terms of what they teach. Yeah, actually. What did you think American sex ed was like uh, before this phone call?
1: Well, I remember um, watching, for example, I can't remember if it was Juno, but I remember a teacher putting a condom on a banana or something, Mm -hmm. and we never did anything like that.
0: If we had Juno's sex education, then, I mean let's be honest, the world would be a better place because I didn't have that either. (laughs) We had abstinence or else, and then our sex ed class was more about menstruation. And I don't think the boys did anything because we had to separate between girls and boys. We never had anything like that. So, the... They talked about, you know, a penis goes into a vagina. Did they talk about, like, oral sex or anal sex at all?
1: They did, but not very much. They said like, just different types of sex, but they didn't go into it at all. I actually remember um, when you said the boys and girls were separated. I remember in grade nine, Mm -hmm. we were separated, and we were talking. I think the boys had to learn about something completely different, but we spoke about um, sex and all that stuff. And I remember I, at that stage, was quite outspoken already, not as much as I am now. It's because I didn't know as much as I do now. But um, the... One teacher who actually hates me a lot, she was telling me, I kept going her on what she was saying. And then she looked at me and she said, if you carry on like this, you're going to end up on a heap of trash one day. <gasps> she said that to me in front of the entire grade of girls. Oh my God. And I was God. just like, wow. Okay.
0: Oh my God.
1: I know. Who? I mean, I'm 15 years old. If anything, I'm just curious, you know?
0: Right. And you know, I mean, my—I can't even make a sentence. I, a, that makes me so upset. And yeah. if I was in South Africa and in that class, I would have immediately rushed to your aid and stood and stood beside you.
1: George it was so bad. And then she also kept saying things. I remember she was talking about it. Um, like we have a value, and if we do anything to ourselves or give ourselves away kind of thing um, that decreases our value. And um, I remember this other girl said, yeah, man, but if you take a 20 rand note and you rip it in half or wet it or whatever and you stick it back together, it's still 20 rand, Mm -hmm. you know? That's right. She actually, she just gave this girl, like, a death stare because she was standing up to her and that actually made sense, you know, that you give Mm -hmm. yourself your value. No one can take that away from you. And um, then she said something like, You should only do... Or Someone asked, so how far can you go with a boy or whatever? And she said, as far as you'd go if you were sitting in the same room as your father.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And I was like, what is this? Are we in the 1920s? Like, oh, my gosh.
0: Oh, my God. No, and A, that analogy to the 20 round is amazing. And so I'm going to steal that and use it forever. To not only be teaching that because like there were there were a couple teachers that are coming into my mind that kind of had to teach our sex education who didn't really want to but they they did it because they felt that it needed to happen but they weren't necessarily okay with the overall abstinence message that they had to spew
1: yeah
0: but you could like see it in their face and they never really directly answered a question if it was about abstinence right but they never called anybody out or called them a, 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 that told them they were going to be a pile of trash and uh for this woman to not only it sounds like she believes so firmly in what she's saying but she's also yeah. not even willing to engage in a discussion about it
1: yeah, but she was also she's also very blindfolded by religion, so that's completely i mean she i'm not sure she didn't know who I was at the time but she used to live down the road from my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um so when I was about 3 or 4 years old my sister and I would always run around naked because we're babies you know right. summer and she actually came to my grandmother's door with a bible and said she should we should be covered up because people can look at us and we naked you know and my grandmother said they're flippin' babies like what do you want
0: right like that's 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 crazy because you know one of the things that I think that America right now is really pushing, and it, it, it goes in waves, but um, I, I hope that, you know, the social change is becoming a little bit better, but, you know, people are gonna worship in whoever they want, and it's wonderful, and it's great that people have a freedom of religion, but at the same time, it's like they're using their religion in order to discriminate against other people when exactly. the basis of, like, every religion is... Everybody is nice to everybody. If you, like, truly get down to it, it's like, you know, it's be respectful. Whether you're a Muslim or a Christian or a Buddhist or whatever. And granted, there's a little bit more of a, of a patriarchy and, you know, the Abrahamic religions, i.e. Islam and Christianity and Judaism. But ultimately, from everybody I've ever talked to who does not hate People, they they are like hor- like horrified and sad that their religion has been contorted in a way that excludes others and use and is used to put others down because that's not what it's supposed to be.
1: Yes, but there's a fine line between you being religious and those people who don't hate anyone and they're religious and they are are religious for themselves, not mm-hmm. necessarily to to worship this person as you know what i'm talking about right yeah yeah um and then there's a fine line between that and then people who are verging on being cults
0: yes yeah totally 100 percent. the example that we use in america because there's like this big problem with isis right like the that yeah. use the quran as as an excuse to kill everybody and et cetera, et cetera. My Muslim friends are all like, yeah, so the Quran doesn't preach any of this and if they even read it, they would know that this violates like all of our basic standards. Yeah. But they but you know, ISIS is giving a horrible name to Muslims in the same way that um, you know, the Ku Klux Klan, which is
1: Yes, I was just about to say that.
0: yeah, is to Christians and I think that there's there's something that's lost because, you know, the KKK are all white men, for the most part, and mm. ISIS is Middle Eastern men, right? And so there's yes. like, there's a, there's a race component there too. So obviously it's, it's, you know, a hatred against religion, but I also think we we can't talk about that without talking about racism, you know? Yeah. Anyways, religion is great when it's not being used to put other people down.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: And it breaks my heart that this woman has had such a uh, like a weird interface with your life, whether that's when you were a baby and you're running around naked in your grandma's backyard or um, or when you're in high school and you're just trying to learn about your body.
1: Yeah, I'm just happy that I wasn't um, I'm not as much of an influential person. I'll take other people's um, comments her heart, mm-hmm. um, and I recognized her as someone who would purposefully go hurt someone, or I saw her um, kind of for where she was on her journey, mm-hmm. and I I knew that, you know, what she said to me wasn't necessarily, um, well, maybe she did mean it, but she doesn't understand, you know, yeah. so um, I'm just happy that I didn't get offended by that. I was shocked, but I wasn't, I didn't believe her, you know?
0: Yeah, that's very mature and you called yourself wise earlier. Like that's, that's very, that's very wonderful and profound that you didn't let it get to you. That's something that I've actually found with people who are millennials or your generation. Uh, I think it's like Gen Y. Because we will read comments or hear comments or whatever and just kind of let it flow off our back because there's so many trolls and so many haters out in the world. Yes. Whereas if you look at people who are, you know, maybe our parents or or the generation above our parents, those kind of comments really take a hold of them and seep in. And it, it's, it's a learned skill that we just have had because of social media. Yeah. And so, anyways. But I mean,
1: even the other day, um, we went to go visit my grandpa And he's in his late 60s, early 70s, and he's done a lot of growing in himself recently. But um, he asked me if I had a boyfriend or something, and my mom looked at him and she said, no, Paige actually likes girls, Dad. And um, he was quite taken aback but then he kept asking me questions and trying to get to know me as who I just told him I was kind of thing and he said to me that a few years ago he probably would have been really angry and and sad about me coming out to him Mm -hmm. but um, he sees now that it's my life and I'm also a person and he had to grow in himself so knowing that everyone is on their own paths, and five, ten years down the line, they might not think anything the way, like the way they do now. You just have to realize that because everyone changes all the time.
0: Wow. That's a wonderful, wonderful story. And it's a testament to, you know, just having, just sitting down and having a conversation with somebody. Yeah. You know, um, so, so do you feel like you and your, your, uh, your grandfather are able to communicate like normal people?
1: Yes, definitely. It's quite cute now. He um keeps asking me all these questions, and it's he tries a lot, you know. And it's really, it's really nice to see that.
0: I love that. And is like you talked, you know, earlier. We talked about how you, your mom, and your sister, and you are all very open with each other about sex and sex education and blah blah blah. Do you think that you would be able to have? Like a more intense conversation with either your elders or your grandparents or whoever about sex and sex ed- education regarding you specifically?
1: Yes, and I don't think it's because I um, have had to learn that kind of thing. I think I've always been very open about myself mm-hmm. and um, especially with my family, I've never really, their opinions matter, but I've never let it influence what I'm feeling because I, as I said, I know that they are on their own path and they are where they are. And I can't help that. So if someone was in my family to show me any disrespect or homophobic kind of remarks, I would just let it go because their opinions doesn't change how I'm feeling or who I am, you know?
0: Right. No, that's really incredible. And I think that um, our listeners are really going to identify with that as well. You know, we have talked a lot about a lot today. I feel like we've talked about a hundred yeah. different topics. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to say to kind of just make this feel right to you?
1: Um, you know, at the moment, no, but I'll probably end the call and be like, oh, I should have said that.
0: <laughs> Classic. Well, I'm sure I'm going to end the call and also think that. So, you know, it's 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 cool so if if people wanted to find you Paige, and wanted to continue this conversation after um they finish listening to this podcast where can they find you
1: um definitely on instagram i always answer my dms not really facebook i don't really like facebook but definitely instagram and then usually um i'll even give them my number and we can call or whatsapp or text or whatever i really don't mind
0: amazing so what is your instagram handle
1: It's um, at plantful page is a a plantful underscore page.
0: Amazing. And Paige, thank you so, 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 so much for joining me today. Funky Feminist, the podcast is sponsored by Thinks. Their washable, reusable undies absorb your period and are a more sustainable solution than single-use disposable products. Depending on your flow, light, medium, heavy... Thinks can replace pads and tampons or be worn with tampons and cups for extra protection. They're like regular underwear, but so much better, and trust me on this. I wear Thinks almost every single day. I use them as regular underwear because I'm a little bit dischargey and when I'm on my period, and they have quite literally changed my life. Get your pair of Thinks now. Go to www.shethinks.com. At checkout, don't forget to add your $10 discount code, FUNKY, F-U-N-K-Y, Funky Feminist the Podcast was created by Landon Funk, edited by Landon Funk, and has original music by DNTST.